Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Average Critics, joined currently by Chris and Obi. How are you both? I am good as gold, mate. How are you? I'm good as silver. Good. <laughs> I guess I'm good. I don't know. You're good as platinum, Chris. Oh, platinum sounds good. Yeah, better than bronze. Um, so today we are going to review Division episode four. Um, and then later on, Obi and I are going to discuss uh, Outside the Wire, One Night in Miami, and a throwback, uh, one from the archive, Instant Family. Um, but we'll start with WandaVision. Um, again, an episode which... Well, actually, this episode was more kind of for 30 minutes, just development and expanding the mystery rather than, you know, 15, 20 minutes of sitcom and then five minutes of like, ah, oh, I want to see more. Um, yeah. This episode felt really short, but I'll just give a brief recap um, and, you know, any points that I've missed or you want to delve in further, um, we'll talk about it. So this was more of a what's been going on from the sword side of things for the last three episodes. Um, so it, it starts with um, Monica Rambeau coming back from the blip um, and she wakes up, well, appears next to her mother's hospital bed, Maria Rambeau, who we then learned died three years ago um, from cancer. And... Uh, then there's like a montage about, you know, Maria helped set up S.W.O.R.D. And um, then she goes basically to Westview um, because there's a town that's disappeared or a town that the police don't even think exists. Um, she meets Jimmy Wu, who is an FBI agent that we've seen from Ant-Man. Um, and she gets sucked into the to Westview, to the bubble, Um and then this is when Kat Denning's character, um, Darcy, from Thor, appears as an astrophysicist. And she picks up on a broadcast signal coming from the bubble, which appears to them as the sitcom that we've been watching. So there's a nice parallel there, I think, of us in the audience kind of observing what sort of observed as well. Um, and we'll go into that bit deeper. Um, so that, that's basically how the episode kind of set out and it ends the same way episode three ended with Monica Rambeau being yeeted out of the bubble. Um, so the things that we heard in the first three episodes, like Jimmy Woo's voice on the radio, you could sort of see how that happened. Um, it was like a peek behind the curtain, which I really enjoyed. But Chris, um, what were your thoughts on this episode? Um, I'll be honest, uh, after we slightly discussed it in the chat, I was very confused by the beginning bit of it quite clearly uh, when, uh, what's the, what was the, the lady's name? Uh, Monica. So she's Monica Rambeau? Yeah. Okay, so when Monica came back into the world, that confused the shit out of me uh, because I thought she was just having some bad, I thought she was having like a flashback memory or something and it was just a weird style of doing it, but. Maybe maybe I should have realised. I feel like a, a date stamp or a, or a or a brief comment underneath could have explained it to. to I the was, 
I was kind of in a similar boat to you, Chris. It was only when the doctor said they're all coming back, they're all coming back. That's when I was like, oh, okay. And then I rewound it and I was like, okay, now this makes sense. But I, at yeah. first, I was confused too. Honestly, I didn't even block that bit. I just thought I just thought they were talking about some accident that happened and some medics, paramedics were going to come back. I've mm. obviously watched too many doctor shows that I was a bit <laughs> thrown away with it. But um, I, I think the confusion is because, to me, the, the, the way they've done the, the graphics for that is quite different it's not as dusty yeah. as, as yeah. it was for the others so yeah. it's in reverse isn't it yeah true so yeah, yeah. So, uh, again i think we all um we all initially were like what's going on here i didn't i yeah i didn't clock it with the blip straight away but yeah continue yeah. i feel like um i feel like with that uh the way they've presented the, the way people come back from the blip i feel like they've added maybe some problems to the way it's it, people come back because I think the first, in, when we first watched the movie and the clip, the the click happened and and everything, like we were of the assumption that planes in the middle of the sky must have crashed because obviously he's clicked his fingers and so what happens to those people who are meant to reappear? I don't know. Say the pilot disappeared of a plane. Where did I, they in the I middle th- of? The sky? I think um, I we shooting have... Tony's clicked it so they're all safe. I had the same thought as you, Chris, but I think um, I, I, might, I might be wrong, but I'm, I think they explained that in the beginning of Spider-Man: Far From Home. But oh, I, could be, I think so, but I could be completely wrong. But I have to, I'd have to watch it again. But oh, yeah, yeah, I can't remember what the explanation is, though. To be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, like besides that beginning bit, I thought it was a really good episode. Like it, linking everything, how things work. Obviously, there's still a bit of confusion on what Wanda is actually doing. Is she has she got every town member hostage? Why were the policemen not part of the hostage situation? Why are they? Why did they just have memory uh, dysmorphia? Was it? She said, oh, I can't remember what they said. But like, why did they have a memory of living somewhere else rather than why? What? And as to why they are trapped in the city, uh, the town. Um, but yeah, I thought it was. Um, it was a good reveal, I feel, to show that Wanda is actually... It seemed to me Wanda is actually in control and knows full, full well what she's doing and that she's just reverting everything that she thinks isn't right or in her perfect world, is my opinion. But Yeah, because they say um, one of the characters, maybe Jimmy, says, oh, she's it's being censored as it goes along. So, you know, there's a bit where it jumps when they're watching it um, from episode three when um, Monica, as Geraldine, sort of appears and then isn't there, they try and rewind it, but there's a clear edit. And, um, mm. yeah, so it's, it's... We also see a bit more that Wanda is, is losing control because she then sees Vision with his dusty little head caved in. Um, that's nasty. I, I thought about that. I wonder if she does actually see him like that. That's what I was thinking. And I just think maybe because she was so focused on fixing things, and when she turned around, she kind of forgot that he looked like that. But that's that, a good point. yeah, I don't know. I just it's, it's it is although a lot has been cleared up as to like what's going on, there still is a lot of question marks as to what is truly going on. I feel. But. Yeah. Were either of you surprised that we had this episode? So when we did, because I think I was of the impression we'd probably have carried on 80s, 90s, and then maybe, um, you know, uh, kind of, I guess, what's happening outside. Um, so do you see 
this is now the series has shifted or do you expect the next episode to be the 80s um and 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 maybe less of a focus on the next episode on the sword side of things obi i think um i feel like they made this episode more reality heavy because in case of people who are watching this um and watching the three straight episodes of 90% sitcom and they're like oh this is this is this is not what I expected at all I'm not, I don't really want to like they're not if people who aren't feeling it once you get this episode and it connects to the outside world brings in people from old from older films um, I reckon a lot of people would have been like okay I'm on board now I see I see where this is going so I think that was kind of like a I feel like if it was up to the writers they would have kept it kept the string long a bit longer but I feel like maybe um, intervention would have been put in to say okay yeah we need to make sure that everyone gets that where we're going kind of thing and I think this episode would have brought a lot of people who are on the fence about the series would have brought them um, on the side of yeah this series is good it's actually going somewhere and, I, and I'm enjoying to see where it's going to go um, on the your other question of um, what the next episode is going to be I think it will I think it's going to be more like instead of it being like 90-10 in the side of Wanda and reality I think it's going to be maybe more like 60-40 so majoritarily 80s and then we get little bits here and there, whereas before we only got maybe like one scene or one bit where it connected to the outside world. I think maybe we'll get a few scenes where um, it connects to the outside world or at least a few, um, maybe not Easter eggs, but a few inclinations where we can tell, OK, this is the influence of our, the actual world on her, on her, um, in her fake reality. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. So we saw... Also, as part of this episode, um, I feel like Jimmy Woo was acting as the uh, pawn in this show for the audience. So there's he's collating uh, the characters. Um, so in essence, every character that Wanda interacts with um, is, if this, I'm going to try and explain this without it being confusing, is a character. So, for example, um, Geraldine. So they say Geraldine is played by Monica Rambeau. So everyone that they interact with um, is a, ca- a character with played by, you know, a character. If that makes sense, a real life um, person, a real life person yeah. in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, that's a better way of explaining it. Um, so he's asking the questions that we're asking, like why different eras, why sitcom. I enjoyed that. Uh, why hexagons? And which, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it as what, well. What was the hexagon? What was the hexagon thing? I didn't get the hexagon thing. I'm not bored. I thought that was so funny. Why hexagons? I thought that cracked me up. That did. What does yeah. that mean? I, I didn't. Get, I don't understand the why hexagon thing. So there's that? a motif of a hexagon throughout all the episodes. So like when they do the intros, they're often framed in a hexagon, um, oh. and there's just like symbolism of it, symbolism. Is, is the town is the town uh, in a hexagon shape as well, or something? Or did I? Did I read into something else completely wrong there? It could be. I, hmm. That's um, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, so yeah, I, I like that as well because it sort of like validates your questions, and it's like they are legitimate questions, and it's like we know that you're going to have these questions, and well, hopefully they answer them. Um, I'm six points of a hexagon. Six. No wait. Infinity stones. Is that six? I think there's six. That might make sense. 
Um, yeah. Well, he has got an Infinity Stone in his head, or should have one in his head, Vision. Yeah. I do like, I like the fact that they're asking questions that we're asking as well. Like, I know you've already said it, but like, obviously, like, when she's like, isn't Vision dead? And it's like, yeah, he is dead. Yeah. But it would be nice to know why Geraldine had a momentary relapse. It would, was she fully conscious of herself in the world? Or was she not? That's what I, I want. I think when Wanda gave birth or was giving birth, her contr- her focus was on giving birth, and so she wasn't concentrated too much on the world around her. So in that episode, you've got the neighbour who's chainsawing through the wall. You've got Agnes and him sort of asking or sort of trying to reveal something to Vision. So her grip on her reality, or you know, fantasy, was loosening, and I think that allowed uh, Geraldine. To then Monica, Monica to come through and be like, oh, Pietro. Um, because there was a bit of like a dazed look on her face when she was delivering those lines. Um, so to me, it was sort of like a fog was lifted. I think, as I think also, like to add on to what you're saying, then, is that um, I think they make a big point of the fact that um, Monica wasn't like embedded in this world. So Wanda's come into this this town in New Jersey and taken everything over, inhabited everyone who was already in it. Monica's come from the outside and come into this world. So when um, the neighbours say, oh yeah, Mon- Geraldine doesn't have a home. So it's like, she wasn't here already. So she's kind of like, so I reckon maybe the hold on her mind isn't as strong as it is on everybody else. So like when she does hear things like, so like when Wanda's mind... Um, does slip it she is less susceptible to the mind control and i think it kind of like triggered something in her mind already because she wasn't part of the whole facade in the first place yeah true so when jimmy's putting up the characters on the board they all have ids apart from agnes um so what what do you think that means like is agnes also not uh an actual resident of Westview or, you know, I don't know what she is, but I did, I read like a, or I listened to a, um, someone on a podcast saying that she's based on a character called Agatha from the comics and her husband is a demon or something like, or a demon type character who is one of Wanda's like uh, traditional villains in the comics. And, um, I think in the trailer for this, or one of the trailers for this, she, it's like a Halloween thing. I think she's just like a witch and she's cackling. I think in the comics, I, I could be completely wrong, but I think in the comics she might be a witch. So I don't know where they might be going with that, but I feel like she is someone supernatural and there might be something uh, more sinister involving, that involves her character. Maybe she's trying to exploit Wonder's powers or something like that, but... Yeah, I don't know. There seems to, to be more to it than meets the eye. But to be fair to you, Glenn, I didn't even clock that she wasn't one of the people who they um, didn't identify. So, well done for spoiling it. Thank you. There's also a nice Easter egg <laughs> where... If they, if they don't know her and they've got all that technology, wouldn't you just like be like, what the fuck is going on? Like, surely so, they'd best get that lady a lot more. Is my only, is my only uh, issue with that. I suppose. But you're... you're my, well, yeah, I agree, but I think your um, your focus is probably more on 
um, what the, what the fuck is yeah. going on <laughs> besides like this random lady? Because in their mind, they might be, they might just be like, oh yeah, maybe Wanda just made her up. Because the woman might not even, yeah, she true. might not even be, she might not even be from Earth. She might not even like, you know, she yeah. could be a, a figment of Wanda's imagination or something. That's what they one could of, think anyway. Maybe she's one of those uh, shapeshifting aliens. Maybe, yeah, a scroll. Yeah, she could be. That's a good point. Um, can I just say quickly, sorry, because I've uh, completely forgot to to say, but I think the intro to this episode was absolutely fantastic, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, in- what happened in the intro? So, like the whole thing, everything with the the bit that you didn't that you got confused by. Uh, oh, yeah, I thought it was, it, it, when I, once once you guys made me made it click in my head, I thought it was really I thought it was really clever. Yeah, just like because um, obviously we get in Spider Man Far From Home, like it's more of like a comedic take on it, like people dropping back into the gym and stuff like that. But, like, when you um, put it into this scenario and you come in and it's, like, absolute pandemonium and panic and you're thinking, like, oh, shit, it's actually what would have happened in that scenario. And you think, like, in this scene, five minutes from now, Thanos is taking on the Avengers somewhere in, somewhere in New York, wherever the, fuck, um, wherever the fuck they are. I just think that whole, that first opening, that opening two minutes, I think contributed to the rest of this episode feeling like a movie or part of, like, you could have taken this out of a, film like this whole this 30 minute episode because it felt like it for the first time i think it felt like it was connected to the wider cinematic universe and i really enjoyed that aspect of it so i think it's a really good episode in general sorry yeah no i agree with that because i sort of i sort of had forgotten about the blip that makes sense because i feel like it's been so long since we've had any cinema but mcu Mm. um and the blip is such a shit name as well so yeah, no. Sure. But I, I was sort of like, oh yeah, this is actually in the continuity, and and now I can sort of place it slightly where it it sits, yeah. um, which I really liked. Um, I mean, we then find out in this episode that obviously Maria Rambo, who was a big part of Captain Marvel, um, has died. Mm. It to me that was really strange because I thought that Maria Rambo would have a big part as well as like an ally to Captain Marvel, the mm. founder of Sword. So to me, killing her off off, uh, off screen was just a bit strange. I, was, I thought the actress was quite well received. The character, you know, if they do a Captain Marvel two and it's it's set in the nineties again or the early noughties, are we going to really care? Yeah, I I'm on your way with To be fair, um, I think. Going back to like, if you put, for example, um, what's her name, Peggy Carter, for example, from Captain America, and she's like one of the people who created Shield, and then you get like a Shield, um, not Shield series, what was it called, Agent Carter series. I think may- maybe there might be something like that with Maria Rambo and Sword. Um, I think that might be kind of interesting to find out how Sword was created and stuff like that. That could be a thing that maybe they'll do in the future. That'll be interesting, but I agree with you in general. Um, to kill her off, it uh, seems strange. I'm curious to know if it's to do with the actress who I think is doing other stuff and other films, or if it's to do with, I think probably more likely to do with uh, them making it so it was an emotional shock for Monica's character. So I'm trying to think what other thing could have, because in her mind she's only she's the blip. The blip is like instantaneous, so she doesn't know that. Um, five years has passed. She, in her mind, her mum was still in the bed. Like she just blinked, and then suddenly her mum was gone, kind of thing. So I think that was the thing that shocked her into thinking, "Oh, like something's happened." And five years later, 
I'm wondering what else they could have used for her to, to trigger that emotion from her. Um, so I think that's the main reason why they did it. Uh, whether or not it was the right choice, I don't know. But, yeah. Chris, any thoughts? Hmm. So it's probably what Ivy said, to be honest. She probably has, has another gig because it doesn't really make sense because she could be quite pivotal in another Captain Marvel film, couldn't she? So, um, yeah, I think yeah. it's just a shock factor, isn't it? Bringing, bringing like, it is, it's, it is a very interesting take to see what it's like in the life of a hospital. Um, I guess you could say before, during and after the blip, I guess. So, no, sorry, after the blip. Yeah. During, no, during and after the blip, basically, because obviously they didn't seem to have too many people in the hospital, and then all of a sudden mm. chaos ensued, didn't it? So, do you, I was going to ask, do you think so? We get the scene where she goes to the sword headquarters, um, finds that like uh, Monica, this is sorry, finds out that her pass doesn't work anymore to get into the rooms and stuff. We meet um, a guy, I can't remember his name, Tom, maybe I can't remember his name. Um, and he's the head, the new head of Sword, replacing um, uh, Maria, Maria Rambo. And then there's like a little thing where he says, oh, well, I wouldn't have been the only candidate. Basically, I think insinuating that had Monica been alive, she'd be the head of Sword, but she doesn't seem to bear any hard feelings. Do you think they might go back into that like little dynamic between those two um, at all? Do you think, or do you think that was just like a little I, thing, just to say she's important in this organisation? But I think if I'm correct, he is a key sort of key character in some respects. Okay. Um, but I only briefly read something, so I can't say if I'm right or wrong on that. But I think, I think there will be a power struggle at some point between them both. Cause obviously they'll have, I reckon they'll have a difference of opinion. Mm. All dependent on if Monica, no, is it Monica? It all depends. Monica, on, yeah. yeah. If Monica, Monica becomes like a superhero kind of character later on, mm-hmm. I could imagine that happening as well. Um, but I don't know if she gets powers. I haven't, I haven't really looked up much about this episode. I've tried to go into this with a bit more of a open mind rather than knowing mind. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, are either you interested in sword? Like, um, cause obviously we get this episode like kind of like a sort of like an intro behind um the end of Spider Man. Far from home with Samuel Jackson, who is apparently in a sword headquarters of some sort in space. Like, do you think that's something that, because of all the things that um, Marvel have announced, they haven't really announced anything to do with, like, to do with sword as of yet. Do you think that's something that will be, like, a strong uh, story point in any of the films or in the series? Because obviously we kind of sort of get it with S.H.I.E.L.D., but only really in the Captain America films, not really anything else. So do you think they're going to do that with, do the same thing with sword, or do you think it's going to be, like, a minor? a minor thing in this phase four? I think it'll be minor purely because you've had with sword, you know, it turns out they're Hydra and then, you know, there's all of that. Shield. Sorry, shield turns out to be Hydra. So they can't really recycle that with sword. Yeah. Um, I think it's fine to have it in the background. Um, <laughs> Cause certainly in the, in the like phase three of, the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, Shield has been a very kind of back burner part. You know, yeah. the, the TV series has explored that. I mean, they might do a, a TV show, like you said, focused on Maria Rambo, 
up until I'm the really, creation. I'm, I really hope they do that. I think that'd be so good. But anyway, sorry. And they might even do an Agent for Sword. Who knows? That'd be so, um, that'd be so good. Oh. <laughs> and you can watch nine seasons of that. I would. I would watch it. I would watch it. Right. What, do you, what do you think will be good? If they did like an Agents of Sword series. Agents of Sword. It really depends what Sword is actually, what it actually is. Mm. Because right now it just seems like some space adventure. It's almost, I don't want to say it, it's almost Star Trek-like. It is. It is, yeah. So, it would be an interesting series. I mean, I feel like if they brought out Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. might do quite well. People, people need to watch Agents of Shield. I'm, I'm saying on the group chat. I like it. I just think Honestly. because I'm so far behind on it, catching oh, up man. is a bit of a. You've got, to, you've got to put the work in, don't you? Because it is you do, like yeah. they're 40 minute episodes, aren't they? 20 something per season as well. Yeah. So like, and it, yeah. and it only gets good in episode 21 of season four. So no, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Our season one was good. Season Halfway through two, season one, it gets good. From, yeah. And fr- from then onwards, it's good the whole way through, in my opinion. Uh, I think there's one season where I think when they get involved with the Inhumans, it's a bit, it, it's a point's a bit dry. But I did, I did enjoy it, and that's I, why I'm yeah, looking forward to the next part. And even like in Shield, they can't, there is like a point where a few of the main characters they do kind of like go off on their own mission where they are traveling through space looking for certain things or certain people. Um, and I remember when watching this episode, thinking, like, I wonder if any of these characters might become part of S.W.O.R.D. or are part of S.W.O.R.D. And I think it'd be, like, if they if they could, it'd be really cool if they, there was, like, maybe a cameo in the series of one of the there, people or something like that. There's rumours we might see Quake at some point. I hope so. I hope I mean, so. there's also rumours we... Although, I feel like this rumour's untrue, but there's rumours that Ghost Rider might appear at some point as well. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Who's Quake? Quake is the main character of so she's um you've Chloe. watched um you've watched um thingy in it you've watched um a bit of Shield haven't you Ben I saw like half of the first episode yeah so she's she's Sky she's like the main character of Sky oh has she got powers oh, well 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 I'll let you watch Shield I'll let you watch Shield to find that out mate I'm not <laughs> <laughs> um, I, but, uh, I I just looked up Monica Rambeau probably shouldn't have done probably a bit of a spoiler whoa. If it's a spoiler, hold, call your brakes, Chris. <laughs> is it a character spoiler or is it a WandaVision spoiler? Oh, it's a character. It's like I'm looking at her wiki page. Okay. Obi, what do you want to know or do you not want to know? I don't know. I might, I might uh, say it and then I won't, I'll try to listen. Go on. And then... well, hang on. Hang on. Uh, maybe a better way is, is the description of the wiki page different to what we're currently seeing from Monica Rambeau? Uh, yeah, because none of what's happened. I don't know. I don't. Know. I, don't, know. I, don't I don't know her origins. I can't see. Oh wait. Uh. All I know about her is that mm-hmm. in the comic that she's photon. That's all she, I know about her. Oh, I think. I think you've. Miss Saint there in regards to Photon. But cool. Well, yeah, cool. I, I went. Um, it'll probably be. You probably. It'll probably all be. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to know. When she's Captain Marvel 2, I think it will come. What I can read here will happen there. So, um, yeah, it's cool. Is this. Is this. Um, are these episodes too short? 
because yeah. this this episode went so quickly, and I just think, you know, should they have stretched it out or? This is what I was debating. I thought it was too short, but then I was like, how much more do I really want in this episode? Because it is coming to a close, and I feel like it's coming to a close awfully fast as well. Is it coming to a close? We're only, we've still got like, another four well, five it, the, the, In my mind, another episode or two of not knowing if she's in control or not wouldn't, got, wouldn't have gone amiss. I would have kindly gone through her story a bit more seeing whether the kids grow up really fast, if the kids are real, all this jazz. Maybe even having the sword people discuss a bit for another episode, I probably could have got on board with. It probably wouldn't have been too entertaining, but I could have got on board with. So what, like, is your, what is your complaint, that, is, that we're not getting enough or that we're getting too much? I think I think we should have more, but at the same time, I don't know how much how much more I, I want in between is my issue. Okay, like, yeah. Like, because like, we watched it, and I thought, well, like you said, it's over already. But then I'm thinking, okay, we've got another, what, four episodes? Five. Five episodes. And I'm assuming next episode they're in sitcom, and after that I'm assuming real life's going to come back again. Or maybe two episodes sitcom and then the rest is real life. I think it's the la- I think because I feel like Paul Bettany said that the last three episodes are basically like a film. So I reckon, yeah, the last three episodes I think will be majoritarily in reality so my question to you guys then uh, and just to summarize the, the episode length i think it's better to leave the audience wanting more rather than being like oh they could have cut five minutes from that um okay. but so so where is this where is this going like what is the final battle is it going to be between sword and wonder or or is there going to be you know agnes's husband coming in you know where does where does this end do you think um so i think like what i think might happen or uh is that her reality um i think she's gonna lose control basically and whatever's happening in her in her dream whatever in her fantasy world is going to leak into the um the real world at which point um sword are going to have to make a decision like do we need to take out Wanda kind of thing because it's fucking up the whole world or, or it's fucking up at least part of like New Jersey, whoever the fuck they are. Um, I think that would be the, the major conflict um, and it might be her having to defend herself both in the outside world and in her mind against people trying to take away, take away what's hers. Um, and I think it ends with some sort of like split in reality where stuff it some stuff is real some stuff isn't but um the stuff in her world that she's created has is now just part of our world and it just and it just is there okay chris any do different you think, do you think i bring dr strange into it um uh, I think he, i'm talking bar the last few seconds where we'll see wonder okay, go with no, him yeah, no, no then. Because okay. that's how I'm assuming it's going to end. I'm assuming Doctor Strange is going to come in, take her away, train her almost. Unless, unless like, I think, did you, was it you who said earlier? Um, or Obi or Glenn, one of you said earlier about the devil or something. It was me. <clears throat> yeah, the, the devil is quite a pivotal, if he's pivotal in her, in her character, then it almost makes me think that, that, oh, I forget everyone's fucking name. I'm so bad with names. Apologies for swearing as well. Um, like, if that character who's in there that we think's a bad lady... Agnes. 
Agnes, that's the one. She's working with the devil in some way, and maybe the devil's implanted her there, or she's there to keep an eye on Wanda. It almost makes me think that maybe she's always been conscious of what she's doing. I think she, what, Wanda, you mean? Yeah, or, no, no. Or, or Agnes. Agnes. Oh, I think Agnes. Oh, yeah, I think Agnes is because even up. even Agnes was like, I feel like you know when in episode three when the neighbor was going to say something and she was like, shh, kind of thing. Yeah. I think she's aware. I think she's playing along, but I think she's aware of everything that's going on. I think she, I think she's a character that coerces other characters, so I think she'll know mm. how to trigger Wanda. And she, I, I almost feel like this is Wanda's creation, but this is Agnes's test um, okay. to some extent. And then maybe we'll be introduced to the devil, and that, and then or a devilish persona, like like we have with like uh, Thor's sister. I feel like she could have been a lot more sinister because they made a jokey film. She wouldn't add sinister, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But as we're going to get a horror out of Doctor Strange, maybe this character, this big bad in One Division, could lead into a Doctor Strange film. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm really sorry. I, in answer to a question you posed earlier, I do think we will see Doctor Strange, but I think it will be post credits or something. Yeah, well, that could be right at the end. Yeah, yeah. I think it will be post credits. But like, I feel like this is leading to show one, show how strong Wonder is. Two to sh- to see whether her reality altering powers can truly be reality altering because right now she's just in a bubble, her own bubble where, as we quite clearly can see, Vision's not actually alive. Yeah. But she, it's a, but she can make him look alive in her in her powers. Yeah. Someone like you said, if, if if her powers leak, maybe she can eventually make him alive. Can I ask you guys a question? Sorry, to you, Chris. Um, so someone was talking about this on Twitter and I was wondering what opinion you guys had do you is there any um, do you guys have any opinion on the fact that basically these powers that Wanda seems to be displaying she has never displayed any inkling of that she had this sort of power in any of the previous films do you guys have any problem with that I think I don't have a problem with it I think maybe they've just sort of planned a bit more and sort of think, all right, we can really utilise her. Um, Because she has been a bit underserved, I think. Yeah. Um, So I think think it's fine that they're addressing it now. Um, I think the only inkling we got was, didn't she put images in Tony's mind in in Ultron? Yeah. So I think that's the only thing. Apart from that, all we've seen her do is levitate and move shit. Uh, yeah, and she absolutely smashed Vision down through the floor as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think I think um, what you could say about this is that she had minor powers, and then from the devastation of losing Vision and everything else, she suddenly triggered some massive power. Mm. I, I wonder if one of these episodes, we will see how Wanda started this all. I, I kind of hope we do. Because I kind of that would be key, because that might be like, there might be a, a moment where she comes back to reality, because, I, yeah, she got she got snapped, didn't she? Yeah. So, yeah, she comes back to reality, she goes to Tony's funeral, then she like she's on her own, and I'm wondering if these powers just suddenly happened, or, or maybe she made a deal with the devil, I don't know, but, like... Mm. That, I, think, I think that would be an interesting point, and then from that, people would decide whether... It was just something that's just been given to her out of the blue or something that she's manifested. 
that makes, makes yeah. sense. I also think, because initially when the Doctor Strange title was revealed, I presumed he was able to just visit multiverses, but I'm now wondering if Wanda's powers create the multiverse. Like you're saying, her power is currently contained to Westview, and she's made some sort of like pocket reality, but if you know, when she loses vision again, or possibly loses vision again, and she finally snaps. Yeah, are her powers so devastating that she creates portholes into different kind of Are we Are we of the opinion that alternate timelines and multiverses are the same thing, or are these two distinct different things? Christ. Um I think they're probably different i think an alternate timeline is like and i could be wrong is when in endgame when hulk visits visits sorry that's terribly the ancient one the ancient one and she Mm. says if you change something in this moment in time it creates a separate universe Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. a separate timeline sorry Mm -hmm. and in my head a multiverse is like earth one is what we're watching and i know that's got an official name and earth two is happening concurrently right with maybe like you know like the show what if that's coming out where yeah. maybe steve rogers is well he's not gonna be black panther but maybe he's um he's hydra he's yeah he's 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 iron man or mm-hmm. um t'challa is you know hulk or whatever so yep. i think that could happen um i think that's in my head where it's separate so okay. for example in this earth tom holland is is spider-man in a different earth Andrew Garfield is, and then another one completely is Tobey Maguire, and they're all happening simultaneously. Yeah, that that's my. The alternate timelines that happen simultaneously as well. I'm just curious. I'm only thinking because of what you said about um, her creating the multiverse, and I'm wondering if the multiverse already exists because of the events of like Endgame, for I, example. She can create a multiverse. Uh, there are characters who can do that, but I don't believe she can. So I think what she can do is probably maybe open doors. If her, if she's got reality warping powers, maybe she can accidentally create a door to another universe, i.e. opening the door to the multiverse. Mm. Um, mm. I don't know if she's got time-bending powers, or if that's what you even call it, because right now it looks like she does in her, again, her own pocket universe she's created, or not pocket universe, but her own pocket dimension she's made within a town. Yeah. He can reverse time, but actually, I'm saying that does she reverse time? She skips time. She reverses time. She I does rewind. She re- yeah, she rewinds stuff. But I think yeah. that's just limited to her <laughs> own. Head. Oh, she reversed it and then she skipped time as well. Yeah, because... but I don't. I don't think she can do that in the real world. I'm only no. assuming. I think she's only in her head. Yeah, um, I, but I do. I, I believe there are two separate things. What you've just asked in okay. terms of. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and yeah, I think alternate timelines are also concurrent. But again, I, in my head, it's sort of like if uh, so, you could have two two kind of timelines of Tom Holland Spider Man doing different things. Maybe one timeline he doesn't give um, Jake Gyllenhaal's character Tony's glasses, and maybe one he does. But the multi alternate universe is maybe that's happening. But Tobey Maguire is is the Spider-Man or Miles Morales is Spider-Man mm. um, or you know that that's where I'm separating it in my head but you could argue 
the the other way and i think it would also be quite valid it is <laughs> when it gets into scientific quantum stuff i'm like i don't know mm-hmm. what, what are your where, where do you sit um i don't know <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you so like um i think it would be i think if i hope that this series leads to um wonder creating a multiverse because i think that's in general that's really cool one of the things I was disappointed in with Spider-Man Far From Home was that um, they kind of gave a tease of there being a multiverse and then said well kind of said oh that's actually not the case so um, I hope she does I hope that there is an actual we are going to visit a different world where this is different this is different that is different not just alternate timelines where Captain America decides to marry Peggy and get old you know Mm. Yeah. So um, yeah, I hope we do get alternate universes, um, multiverses, whatever. See that—that's another thing, right? So you're talking about the timelines, right? And how he, Captain America, basically fucked up a timeline because he stayed back and he married Peggy. So. I think he just created a new timeline. Yeah, but then he turned up in our timeline. Yeah, I still don't know how that works. <laughs> so that, that, that's it. Doesn't work unless. And it's, this still doesn't make sense unless the whatever the great one you just whoever you guys just said, um, they're wrong because I, I mean I don't remember if we ever saw a picture of Peggy's family. Like I know she mentioned no, we didn't. got married and all that. Um, the only reason I would assume that that guy was never Steve Rogers was because then Steve would have been kissing his own granddaughter in a uh, yeah Civil War whatever it was. So that's kind no. of nasty. So I assume. No, isn't Peggy her aunt? Is it aunt? I thought it was grandmother. I don't know. Oh, maybe. I, I, I think I I view Endgame as I'm not even sure if by the end of Endgame we're on the same timeline as we were at, in Infinity War because of mm. the snap and and you know they portal or dimension jump, timeline jump, whatever, quite mm. a lot in Endgame. Um, I was. I thought that the Steve Rogers that appears at the end of Endgame is from a different timeline, but he's just used Pym particles to quantum realm jump, you know, sort of thing. Yeah, but who, who knows? Know. That's that's a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> but this is this is my thing. Like, because we never saw Peggy's husband, could we? Could we by chance assume it was Steve Rogers? I mean, it could be, but then how do you get? Steve being young in the other films, because then if he was in the, if he was, this is when we're talking about time travel and this well, stupid because obviously, but like there was two Steve Rogers parallel for about ten years. Parallel being one's young and one's old. Yeah. Okay. That's only if that's only if that's who Peggy Carter married. It's an interesting thought. Um, it's been interesting to hear what any listeners think. Um, tweet us at YC Podcast Seventeen. The last thing I want to mention on One Division, um, I don't think there was an advert in this episode, which to me suggests that the adverts are entirely created by Wanda, yeah. which therefore means that they must be based on something that she is has experienced yeah. or knows. So, does that add any anything to the adverts we've seen to either of you? Not really. I think we, I think we talked about this already. To be fair, like the the first one was um, the Stark toaster. So obviously, and obviously he was making that ticking sound, which I think I thought was linked to like Stark Industries, all that shit 
bombing her country and whatnot, killing the family, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. The next one was the uh, Hydra, Hydra, what's it called? The Watch, which I think is to do with like her being watched and joining Hydra, da, 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 da. And the next one was Hydra Soap. I don't really know what Hydra Soap, to be fair. Maybe it's her being brainwashed by Hydra, because obviously the soap thing, I said last week, connects to Ages of Shield, where they brainwashing people with soap. <laughs> okay. um, so maybe it's something to do with that. Um, so yeah, I think it's going along a pretty steady line of just her things that happened to her life being interpreted into these adverts, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Any yeah, more? Prob- any... Oh, sorry, Chris. Probably all the information she's absorbed as well, being mm. in line with Hydra, as well as being Tony's puppet for a bit, and then part of the Avengers, isn't it? So, mm. and also to, on that Sharon Carter thing, just looked it up because it was bugging me. Uh, so Sharon Carter is great niece. Okay. Of yeah, and she, but yeah, regardless, so, still it would still be pretty nasty kissing your and, great niece. <laughs> and it also says here, and I feel like this is a typo from them. Technically, Captain America was kissing his own great niece. Well, this I think yeah. So this is based on your theory on the theory of him going back and being with Peggy, yeah. and then Sharon still being the product well, of that family. Yeah, and then the, the weirdest thing about it as well is that it also says people also ask, is Sharon? Car- Carter, Captain America's daughter. So I'm assuming they've changed it a bit because created as part of Captain America's 75th anniversary, she is the daughter of Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter from an alternative alternate timeline, where she ne- now serves as Captain America's Sharon Carter. Oh, that's a that's a comic book thing, though, isn't it? Doesn't really relate to the yeah, films. I'm saying, but it's kind of obviously they've tried to retcon it so people are still mm-hmm. a bit. But she's apparently she's going to appear in. Um, Whatever the uh, other... Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, okay. I was going to say, Glenn, before, because obviously you were about to ask if there's anything else. Yep. Um, <laughs> what do you think happened to the sword agent? So we get we see the sword, a- sword agent who uh, had his, like, hazmat suit or whatever the fuck you would call it, goes through, like, a well underneath the city, um, passes the barrier, and I assume, because his outfit is similar to that of a beekeeper... It turns into a beekeeper costume, and obviously there's yeah. bees in that random from what we see in episode two, I think. And Wanda obviously says no, rewinds it. But in contrast to Monica Rambeau, who we see get jettisoned out of the world, we don't see this beekeeper guy. What do you What do we think happened to to that guy? It's a good question. I would imagine that if if within her bubble she is able to rewind and that is what she did, then maybe he would find himself at the barrier again. Okay. But maybe he's stuck in some sort of, like, limbo. <laughs> Do you think we'll ever find out? Oh, I hope so, because that would be one of those, like, quite minor um, plot holes or yeah. loose ends. But, it will, you know, it will still annoy people like us who mm. are really heavily invested in this. We'll be like, what happened to that guy? You know, justice for... John or whatever. Mm. Chris and John. <laughs> um, no, I was just trying to look it up to see if we're um. Apparently, there's some be a beekeeper is a key beekeeper in his place in the story where he first appeared. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't even say anything here. I was trying to look it up to be honest. Um. Either she's yeah completely reversed it and he's just 
come out back as an agent we just haven't heard about it <laughs> mm. or or she's made it so that she he's become absorbed in the world like monica that's mm. yeah but i don't think i don't think it's too pivotal i don't i think it'd be good to know but i don't think it <sighs> don't think it really matters at this point does it because yeah it, unless he's a key character i don't think too many people will question it they might get away with a little minor bit of no information. If that makes sense. Did you guys catch? Um, so I didn't catch this. Obviously, when Chris talked about Easter eggs in the group chat, I just kind of started like looking, looking it up. Did you catch the um, Jimmy Woo doing the card trick that he learned in Ant Man too? Mate, uh, I thought jokes. I thought I was yeah, so. I didn't think I didn't clock it. I was like, oh, that's actually really, really jokes. Yeah, Mate, I, didn't clock it, I thought like. it was so funny that you managed to do it. I thought yeah. it was, obviously I wasn't like, ha ha laughing, but I thought it was, I thought it was a, like a good little snippet, mm. uh, little nod to Ant Man there. I thought that was quite good. I like his character as well. I like I'd like to hear a bit more. He's, a, he's kind of a no, he's a, he's a light comic relief on parts, unlike mm. Ant Man where it's just consistently trying to be haha funny i think him and cat denning's character work well together just like a yeah. little like comic comedic relief kind of thing like even the bit where she says um when they're talking about kids and she says you want someone he starts talking about having little jimmy Roos run around He's like, oh you meant you meant chips oh sorry yeah i don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Was quite funny. i um i didn't it didn't register with me at the time but i did yeah like i read up on it and i was like oh, i like that it's sort of like you know when phil dunphy finally fixes that step in the modern family you know they're like oh that's a callback i like that um yeah so it's amazing how we can talk for longer than the actual episode itself (laughs) but um i think i'm certainly i was certainly had wrong misconceptions about this show before uh it was released so i am pleasantly surprised by how much i am continuing to enjoy it and so frustrated that I have to wait seven whole days for every new episode because I watch it so quickly and I'm like, right, okay, mm. another week. <laughs> I, like but, um, I like it. Yeah. Cool. So, moving on to... Oh, sorry, can I ask you guys a really cool question? Sorry, I know we're only four episodes into this, um, but how do you think this compares to the Marvel Netflix shows so far? I like it. I think that the Marvel Netflix shows was quite a lot of like filler. They were because they wanted to just fill like an hour of TV. They were like, mm. oh, every character has got to have different side plots, and mm. it did feel a bit slow. Um, so I would say it's better. It feels more kind of streamlined. Cool. Cool. I would agree. Um, I like, in general, I think the Marvel Netflix shows are decent, but I think I said in a podcast ages ago, I never felt like they were really connected to the MCU, even though they said it was, but it never really felt like it. Um, especially yeah. the ones that came out after Infinity War that didn't acknowledge Infinity War. Um, so I think when you get the fact that we know for a fact that this is connected to the films, I think it just makes everything like 10 times better, in my opinion. Yeah, I I have to agree with that. I I like the other series, uh, although some more than others. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. 
I did like Punisher, but again, I thought like we didn't need a series two. Oh yeah, series three, we don't really see him again. Uh, Although it was good, I wouldn't say it was bad. I just think it was a bit much. And then Daredevil was good, but it's kind of samey. I'm interested to see how they introduce him. Iron Fist looked good at the end of the series, yeah, and then stopped it. So, like, go on and on and on, but like. I, I agree with you. Like the connectivity of it really makes you want to watch it and learn mm. more about it. I think, and like uh, that's also I think, although Agents of Shield linked with the MCU, it wasn't mm. enough to I think attract enough attention from people. Big oh, so it did well still. So, so with Agents of Shield, I have I think I have like a bigger appreciation of it now that I've because I watched it. I just watched it in the past year, so obviously after all the films have come out. So I think you have a bigger appreciation watching everything back, because you're like, oh, this connects to this, this connects to that film, this connects to that film. So I think, like, all the people who were watching maybe Age of Shield at the time, they didn't love it. I think if you went back and watched it now, I think you would enjoy it more, because it is connected to the films up until a certain point. Um, but, yeah, that's my... Watch Age of the Shield! <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Just watch Age of the Shield. <laughs> Maybe. Um, Come on. If you you watch it, I'll watch it with you. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I'm willing, mate. I'm willing. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. If if there really is a dearth of anything else to watch, then... um, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. uh, So, moving on to the films. um, Is there any film news? I guess there's film news that... uh, there's just a, a bit more info about what is going to go on to star on Disney Plus. Um, so things like some of the Die Hard films, Deadpool 2, Modern Family, um, Devil Wears Prada, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, what stood out for you guys as, as being on star? Mm. If I'm being honest, there's nothing on there that I'm like, oh, I really want to watch this. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there where I'm like, okay, yeah, I might watch that in passing. Like, but there's nothing, there's nothing on there that I'm dying to watch. I'm gonna be very, very honest. Is Supernatural by them? No, that's CW, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Can it be CW and Fox? So, um, I don't think so, but I could be wrong. Okay. Well, I like, yeah, I'm, I'm with Obi on this. Like, I think there's a few things that I want to watch, but like. They were never top of my priority list in the first place. So, mm. like, I want to see 24, the newest ones. Yeah, but me too. Again, like, it's not Jack Bowers, and I have no high importance for it. Mm-hmm. I, was The Walking Dead on there? Or am I, again, am I just making up stuff? I can't remember what I saw on there now. I think it was. This is, is very it? bad. Or maybe I might be wrong, actually. Because, oh, actually, I might, I might be wrong. Sorry. <laughs> let, me, let me look at the picture. Continue. I'm trying to find it. Um, it's, I mean, check chat. Starts first picture. It is FX, isn't it? Walking Dead, but yeah, I just assumed mm, it. I just assumed it would be on there. Unless I'm being blind. To be fair, neither. Can I mean, I. we got, we got. I mean, I thought these were all TV series, and then I saw the the Waterboy and Hitchcock. So I'm assuming it's not. Yeah, it's films too. John so they might. Like maybe they'll do something with Hitchcock. I want to see. See, I've seen Lie to Me. I like that show. I think that's Veronica Mars. The bomb. It just as Mars. I would like to see that. 
Yeah, but like, like I think, like we say, I feel like the way, even the way we're talking about it right now, there's not anything here that we're all massively excited for. I think the part of that, to be fair, is the fact that it's not none of it's like original, as far as I can see, none of it's like original content. It's just stuff from Fox that they're putting onto but Disney. That's the thing, isn't it? Like, I don't think if you go for a back catalogue of stuff, you're never really looking forward to seeing something that's been been and gone already. Mm. It's probably stuff that we've always thought. There's probably stuff on there we thought. Oh yeah, I've always wanted to see that, but like now I can watch it. Cool, yeah. but it's I'm not. Like, none of it's new. Like not... it's only when How I Met Your Father. I mean, that's not something I would want to watch. But if it's someone who's watched How I Met Your Mother, then it might intrigue them to watch it. Now they've got the rights to it. That makes sense. Mm. There is a there, um, a lot of this has already also been available on other platforms mm. like Prison Breaks on Netflix. Um. Lost is on Amazon Prime. Modern Family is on Netflix. On yeah, but Netflix. is it? No, no, but it's not all on Netflix. So, like, I like watching Modern Family, but I'm pretty sure there's only seven se- seasons on Netflix. Yeah, eight, yeah, but. And um, with, what was the other one you just said, actually? Because that's something I want to watch. Lost? I do want to watch Lost. No, the other one. Anyway, it doesn't matter because it keeps going. Um, yeah. there, is a, there is a couple of originals, like Love Victor is a spin off of Love Simon. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But there's not a ton. Um, and I had a question in the group chat. I said, "Why is Modern Family going to be on Star? Because it is a 12 related thing." And but I, I unfortunately, and this probably says quite a lot about Disney. I think it's because there are gay characters. And oh really? Uh, I mean, I could be completely wrong. So uh, you know, don't sue me, Disney. But you know, it's, love Victor. Well, I. It's based on an adult novel, Love Victor. That we just said about Love Victor. Uh, it's a he series. Was, he said it was a spin off of Love Simon. Is that not the case? I don't know, but it just says here Love Victor is set in the world of the groundbreaking movie Love Simon, yeah, which is inspired by blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Acclaimed young adult novel, it says. Right. Yeah, but the, the, my point is, is that Love Simon was a 12, PG 13. So the only thing I can think of as to why things like that and Modern Family are, you know, considered not appropriate for the usual Disney Plus is because they have homosexual characters. Or it could just be they're deciding, right, everything else from Fox will just go in this bit. Well, it could be, that's, what, that's what I think it is, Glenn, just to yeah. clarify. I think it's that. I, I, mean, I hope it's that. I hope it's that. Well, it might, be, it might just be because it's a series, there's more sexual content in it. And therefore, they have to up the grading of it. Well, that's, I mean, that's me trying to be political about it, but you could be right. It might be because of the other thing you said. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I know that there's been a bit of a, you know, history with, like, Disney mm. not being super progressive. Yeah. So, I could, I could be wildly wrong, and I, I hope I am. Um, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if you were right. Yeah, yeah I agree that I wouldn't be surprised if you were right. Um, there's, ba- yeah. there's, there's bad language in some of the X Men films, and they're yeah, on. that's true. They just put Apocalypse on there actually. Oh, God, not rewatching that. After I put it on, bought a DVD anyway. Um, <laughs> so if you had to, if you took over, like for example, uh, if Disney had the rights to sex education, is that something that could go on the main platform? Or is that something no. that would happen? No way. Oh, no. <laughs> no way. No way. No way. The first thing has got a girl with her tits out, Chris. 
Does it? The very first scene, yeah, the very first scene of that show, there's a girl with tits out having sex. You can't have that on the Disney main bit, no way. Maybe that's a bad example of the show then, maybe that's a bad yeah, that's example. That's not a good example. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember. Oh man, that's a good show though. I, mean, I hope they bring back season three or four or whatever season is. <laughs> I can't believe we've been in this conversation for over an hour. I know. Chris, you need to. I probably do head off, but uh, I will give give my brief opinions of the films next time then. Okay. uh, Yeah, enjoy, boys, and I'll speak to you later. In a bit, Chris. Adios, Chris. Cool. So, shall we start with Outside the Wire? Um, Because. I feel like. Sorry, sorry, Glenn, can I interrupt you really quickly? I apologise. Just one more thing for um, film news is that Zack Snyder's Justice League is coming out, being released on the 18th of March. So I'm just going to ask you right now. I feel like we should do our from the archive that same week that this comes up, as which would be Batman vs Superman. So we can talk about that first, and we can lead that into Justice League whenever we've both watched it. Okay, cool. Will, so yes, yeah, if you let me know, uh, if you send me the DVD over yeah. in the post, the um, DVD. Comes, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I will uh, I'll mail it back to you. Um, yeah, so outside the wire, um, it's a you know glossy sci-fi thriller um, with Anthony Mackie and um, Damson Idris. Damson Idris. Yeah, I was just trying to find his name on on Wikipedia. Um, I feel like this 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 film looked. Decent from the trailer. Um, maybe not. Maybe I thought it looked alright. No, I agree. Um, and, but I think that we had a worry that they might have revealed quite a lot in the trailer because you see that uh, Anthony Mackie's character, um, who is called Captain Leo, is basically an android. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's basically like, you know, set in the near future, um, the US has got kind of uh, android or robotic support in the army mm. um, and Samson Indris' character Harp is a drone pilot who, who makes a call contrib- you know, saving the many over a few collateral it's then sort of like okay well he's never had action seen combat so he doesn't get it um, so they partner him up with Captain Leo uh, to kind of find Victor Koval, who's like some stereotypical Russian kind of uh, antagonist, mm-hmm. um, and then there's a bit of like twisting and turning, and uh, you know, reveals. But to me, it was just like I sort of felt like I'd seen this film quite a lot of times before, mm-hmm. different variations, and it didn't really do anything new for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was an okay film, but. I wasn't like with the twist of Captain Leo sort of trying to take these nuclear plans for his own gain to yeah. teach Americans that you know they are also the bad guys. I was yeah. like, eh. it wasn't like shock. It wasn't like I didn't really care to be honest that much about any of them. Mm. What were your thoughts on this film? Um, I'd be lying to you if I said I enjoyed it. I didn't really. It's fine, but it's like you said. Like I found it horribly predictable. Um, the whole um, AI is bad thing has been done to death 
since the Terminator. Like, mm. it's not something that... They didn't bring a fresh take to it, I don't think, at all. The the fact that um, I think this this film takes like clear inspiration from Training Day, um, like rookie cop meets experienced cop who's actually up to something more sinister, blah, 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 blah. Um, I think I applaud them for trying, but it's not it's not good in my in my opinion. Some of the action scenes are cool, some of the fight scenes of um Captain Leo are cool. But the <laughs> the whole thing is just like it's two hours and I'm just like they are re- literally trying to beat you over the head with this whole notion of many the many versus the few, blah 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 blah. Um uh Damson Interest's character Harp is really fucking annoying and he's like <laughs> just super insubordinate and then when it comes to like and when it comes to like him actually fighting he's like a total wimp i think he only kills one person throughout the whole film and i'm just like oh apart, sorry two if you could include uh you could leo um and i just doesn't know i just didn't i wasn't feeling any chemistry between the two leads um mm. in the way that you would get in like this like i'm not gonna say buddy cop but th- like that buddy to co-act co-star that situation i don't feel there was much chemistry between the two of them um the whole the one thing that, that i thought was just glaringly stupid and i know it's like it's not really a plot hole but I'm, I'm nitpicking a bit but like the plan of the captain leo was to launch the nukes to the u.s and kill millions of people why then would you not kill Damson Idris's character to stop him from going back and explaining the whole plot to his um, higher ups and then them thwarting <laughs> a plan? He had the chance to kill him, and then the woman, Ginger Woman, had the chance to kill him, but she let him go. She was like, "Oh yeah, it's over." Uh, no, it's not because he's going to go back and tell him what, exactly what he's heard and seen. Like what? And then even when he catches up with him right at the end in the plant. Again, Captain Leo has a chance to kill him and then he doesn't. I'm just like, what? This doesn't make sense. You're talking about the greater good. Um, I'm talking about killing millions to save hundreds of millions, blah, blah, blah. But then you won't kill Damson Idris to, to, <laughs> to um, make sure that your plan is concrete. Like, it makes no sense whatsoever. That, that, from when they didn't kill him, I was willing to give the film a chance, but from when they didn't kill him, I was like, no, this film's not good. It's just not good. Because if he escaped from that place before they had a chance to kill him and ran back or made it back to uh the base when they were and they were trying to kill him fair enough but they just let him go and that makes absolutely zero sense zero sense um yeah so for the film's not not good in my opinion i feel like there were some like decent ideas within it but they were probably could have been fleshed out more and maybe don't work together so like mm. the, the the story of a drone pilot who makes the wrong decision or, you know... He thinks it's the right decision. Yeah, disobeys orders, yeah. kills a couple of people to save more, and then has to see action. Mm. That in itself is quite an, a, a good idea. But then partnering yeah. up with an android, I was a bit like, hmm, you know. I feel like also when we, in the trailer, you see that Leo is an android. Yeah. If they had not included that and waited quite a while for that to happen to be revealed that would also have been better but it's like straight away he's like i'm an android mm. and then and then there's another good idea where about captain leo can't is is ultimately uh if if harp says stop 
he has to stop because he is subordinate to a human, but then yeah. removes the tracking device, which is his failsafe. Yeah. That also is an all right idea, which they don't really explain. Yeah. I mean, Emily Beecham's character, the ginger woman, Sophia, I was like, I don't know who you are. I don't know what side you're on. I don't yeah. know if you know that Leo's an android. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, Pillow aspects character Koval was so underused. He's not in it. He's not he, in it. <laughs> it was like, it was like, oh, he's this big bad Russian mobster. Yeah. And then within about five seconds, he dies. I was Literally. like, wow, you must have got a handsome paycheck for being in that film because there is absolutely no character development whatsoever. I think Which... also, just to interrupt you really quickly, sorry, just cause, while I'm thinking about it, because it's getting on my nerves, the notion that um, these gumps, which is what they call the AI, um, the the robot thing, that they are preemptive, which I get it, but preemptive to the point where they can just kill people that aren't threatening them, I think, is a think like, that's something that, you should perfect before you send these things out into fucking war. That's basic. Isn't that basically the plot of Minority Report? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Which obviously did it a lot better. So, yeah. again, they're just like rehashing ideas. And I don't mind if you use a plot point that has been done before. But for me, you need to say something different about that genre or about that plot point rather than just saying, oh, do you like what's that good Tom Cruise film from the nineties? Minority Report. All right, we'll take that bit. What did you like about that James Cameron film from the nineties? Oh, it's a robot. Yeah, we'll take that. There's a Antoine Fuqua film from the nineties you liked, wasn't there? Yeah, we'll take that bit as well. Mm-hmm. And and you, you've taken aspects from decent films, put them together, and it's not good. Not good. Um, I was quite disappointed. So, um, you know. So yeah. Uh, I respect them trying it, but it, again, this this falls into the Netflix to just give anyone money. Well, but. I think Anthony Mackie's got two, at least two Netflix original films now, so he's doing all right. <laughs> so what was the other one? Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's got the guy from Winter Soldier in it, the one of the bad guys from Winter Soldier in it. I can't remember what it's called, and I, I think I it's on my list of stuff to watch, but I've not watched it yet. Um. I think his wife gets his pregnant and she gets kidnapped or something like that and he has to go and kill some people to get her back. Something like that. Um, but yeah, I've not watched it. So yeah, good for him, you know. Get a, clearly he's get, got a little got a little deal with Netflix getting a, getting a small check. So I applaud him. And he was fine in it. And I think that's an interest to get... It was fine. I think acting-wise, I think they were both fine. But I just think the two characters don't didn't mesh well. And I think some of the dialogue as well, I was a bit like, maybe it, they're trying to play this as... Um, an android who's trying to simulate uh, human emotions, human reactions, and he can't quite get it. So, like, but I just thought some of the line delivery and the way the, the, the way the dialogue was going, I'm just like, this doesn't, it's not, this isn't a good conversation. It doesn't mm. mesh very well. I didn't really like it, but maybe that was the point. I don't know. I would not rush to see a sequel. No, neither would I. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, but from. A Netflix original to what is being labelled as an Amazon original movie, although I'm pretty sure they just picked it up for distribution. Yeah, they did, yeah. So, again, where do you, you know, Netflix do that as well, so I'm not just uh, shitting on Amazon. Um, One Night in Miami, which is a uh, drama film um, from first-time director Regina King. Um, It's a fictionalised kind of story about Real life friends, Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, who 
who was an NFL player. NFL, yeah. And Sam Cooke, who was a musician, mm. um, in a room in Miami uh, after Ali beats um, Sonny Liston in a boxing match. Um, it sort of, yeah, imagines a conversation they might have about um, African-American rights you know, during the height of the civil rights era in the 60s. Mm. Um, obviously, you've got Malcolm X, who was the leader of the Black Panther Party and was part of the um, Nation of Islam, which was, uh, yeah, like, obviously, a branch of, or a, a subsection of Islam. Muhammad Ali, who at that time was Cassius Clay and was sort of being encouraged to join the Nation of Islam by Malcolm X. Mm. Um, and then you sort of got the counterpoint to that. So they're quite conservative. Well, Malcolm X certainly is. Um, and then you've got Sam Cooke and Jim Brown, who are a bit more liberal. Um, so this is based on a play, I believe, or certainly mm. felt like it was. I think it is, uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, based on One Night in Miami by Kemp Powers, mm. who also wrote this. And... He also wrote something else recently. Sorry, I'm just going to try and find it. Soul. Mm. He wrote Soul. Oh, he wrote that's Soul. Cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not really much more to say plot-wise other than that. It just brings these four kind of um, key African-American figures from the 60s into a room and imagines conversations they would have. Like, that, to me, is quite a good idea for a, a, a play. Yeah. Um, and most of this film is contained within that room. Um, well, it does explore a bit more than uh, films like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Fences, which has always been my criticism of those types of films. Um, so I liked that about this. Um, you see Jim Brown, so when you're first introduced to him, he's like at his, I think it's a friend's house, who's, uh, and... They're talking. He's like, "Oh, you're doing really well this season. It's great." And they're just like really good friends. Oh yeah, this and rattled. Then, this rattled me. I'm not oh, oh my god, I was just like <laughs> shocked. Absolutely rattled me. <laughs> and um, and then he's like, "His this white man's daughter is like, oh, can you help me move the drawers?" And Jim Brown goes, "Oh, I'll help you." And he goes, "You know, we don't let um people like you into the south." No, it says and Edward. Was, yeah, I'm not going to say that yeah. word. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was like, oh. Damn, I mean, it really shows that, like, you know, back then, um, you could be one of the best players at a sport, so respected by everybody from, both, you know, all races, but they still wouldn't allow you to cross into their homes. Well, it's not uh, respect, though, is it, really? Well, true. Yeah, yeah I, adored, I, don't what, I, I don't know what word you'd give it, but it's not respect. Yeah. Um, I guess you could be adored for your on-field performances, but but when you come off-field, your race is takes over from your sporting achievement, which we're still seeing nowadays, to be honest. You know, someone like Marcus Rashford has a less than outstanding performance and gets racially abused on social media. Same with Rhys James or Callum Hudson-Odoi, or, you know, which is, which is a shame. You know, you... I mean, yeah, it's, it's awful. But back to this film, what did you think of it? Um... I really enjoyed it. Um, I know that the whole... Uh, we kind of like clash on the whole 
um, play tone to film kind of the style of it. Um, I think whereas you kind of have like you're of the opinion that um, if they turn a play into a film, they should kind of make more of the the fact that it is a film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that. Um, I don't mind that 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 as much. Um, I like the. I think one of my things I always say is that I like when characters go on monologues and they have like long drawn out speeches because I think that's when you get the best acting. Um, and like one of my tests is if you're a good actor or not is if you can do a five minute long speech or five minute long monologue and keep my attention the whole way through, then I feel like you are at least a good actor. Like maybe might not range between good and great, whatever, whatever. But um, I enjoyed the. I really, really enjoyed the. Um, uh, what's the word? The I don't know. I'll just say argument because I can't think of a better word. But argument between Sam Cooke and Mike, Malcolm X and their whole their whole thing about Malcolm X basically being like you can you can do more for your people, and then Sam Cooke believing that he that what he was doing was enough at that time in terms of opening doors for black people in the music industry, um, and obviously they have the thing about Sam Cooke talking about which happened, well, which ironically happened in Ma Rainey, um, a black person writing a song and then a white person and it being somewhat successful, maybe not that successful, a white person will play the exact same song and it goes to number one in the charts. But then the other side of that is what Sam Cooke was saying, is if you've written that song, um, then you get the royalties every time that song is played. Um, mm. And obviously he used the example, I can't remember what the example was, but the example of the man who initially was upset that... <laughs> That uh, someone else had used the song and got to number one, but then once he got the get the royalty checks coming in, he said, "When can I write another song?" So it's the I think Malcolm X's point of view of that was that we should be able to, as well as get the money for writing songs, we should be able to, you know, be at the forefront, be at the top of the charts, parading these songs about. And I think that's obviously obviously a completely valid point to make. But I like the way these two clashed in that in that area and then obviously one of my favourite parts of the film was the bit where they played the song by I think it's Bob Dylan I could be completely wrong is it Bob Dylan? Yeah Blowing in the Wind yeah Yeah. which is a good song actually Um, I I actually really like that song in general but um, and then (laughs) Malcolm X is kind of like taunting Sam Cooke and he's like oh this is a great song I'm thinking this is about a man who's going through struggle and it was written by a white man it wasn't written by you and that clearly burns Sam Cooke up like it pisses him off because obviously he says, I think later on he says to Jim Brown, I think it's Jim Brown, but he says that he 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 like really likes a song and he wished that he had wrote something like that. And I think that conversation in this in this story, right? Obviously, I don't know how this played out in real life, but that conversation inspires him to write. I can't remember what song it is, and it's really annoying me. The change is going to come. That's the one at the end of the, at the end of the film, um, which I think is really which I really really enjoyed. And I think there was two songs that. I know of his that are really um that are really well like really popular and I thought it was going to be um a different song um it says on wikipedia which again is not the pantheon for correctness but hey ho it says a change is going to come was inspired by various personal events in cook's life most prominently an event in which he and his entourage were turned away from a white only motel in louisiana he felt compelled to write a song that spoke to his struggle and those around him uh, okay. That pertains to the civil rights movement and African Americans. So, right. yeah, it's sort of like revising the history of, of mm. where that song came from, which I, mm. I don't mind in this context. Mm. But um, I think it was yeah that that was that was probably the argument 
um, or the discussion that resonated most with me as well. It's sort of like you've got um, Malcolm X, who is one extreme in the sense that he is militantly political and he mm. uses the word militant himself. Um, he's sort of like the antithesis of Martin Luther King in that sense, who was more peaceful, but mm. they were both kind of active protesters. Whereas Sam Cooke, you know, there's the implication that he's more passive yeah. and that, you know, on the surface, it doesn't look like he's doing anything to further the African-American cause. Whereas he, yeah, like you said, he's like, well, I'm taking money from the white man through the royalties that we get. Mm. So he's make, he is making success and money for African-Americans, mm. which allows him to then put money into their endeavours, which is, you know, it's like a Robin Hood in a way, isn't it? It's like, yeah. um, so there's two sides of the coin there and I mean, both are valid, you know, in their own way. Um, you know, you've got kind of Jim Brown and Muhammad Ali uh, using their sporting platforms, you mm. know, to show that they can succeed against adversity. And that's, it's a wider narrative about, you know, I guess I think you you sort of even said before like you, you you don't necessarily want to if you don't like a film by a black director you, you don't really want to criticize it because mm. you know it it's sort of like are you then doing a disservice to the community that you identify with mm. and I guess there's a similarity here it's sort of like if you're not seen to be actively doing something does that mean you're not doing anything? Mm. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a really powerful performance. I thought everyone was good in this, but I think Kingsley Ben-Adir as Malcolm X was particularly good. Yeah. And Eli Gorey as Cassius Clay, his mannerisms. Mm. I, I think like, we, we talked about this last week, but we didn't record it, did we? Oh, no, we didn't. Yeah. Um, Him and... Sorry to interrupt you, but I was just going to say that him playing Cassius Clay and him playing and Will Smith playing Cassius Clay are pretty much the only two. Because I'm not a big boxing fan, like I don't really know that much about Muhammad Ali, if I'm being completely honest. So those are the only two references I have to his character and how he was. And the fact that they both portrayed him in like pretty much identical ways, I think, um, really like impressed me. And that makes me think that like, wow, this is actually like a really um, accurate portrayal of Muhammad Ali's character and I just think the way even just like the way like I said the mannerisms the way he was speaking like I just think that this is really 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 good acting so. yes agreed um, it, how does this compare to the other well how does this compare to Ma Rainey for you which one do you prefer oh that's a good question I think I th- oh, that's a good question I think <laughs> I prefer oh, I might be being biased because I love Chadwick Boseman yeah I think I'll probably say I prefer um, Mar Rainey's Black Bottom because I think I think his performance in that is better than any of the performances in One Night in Miami. But I think as an ensemble, One Night in Miami's collective performances from all four main characters is better than uh, Mar Rainey, where obviously you had Chadwick as like a standout, and then Bio Davis was really good, but didn't have as many lines as she should have had, really. Um, I suppose you could argue the same in, in, in One Out of Miami, where I feel like Jim Brown doesn't have loads to do in this. Obviously, he talks about um, becoming a movie star uh, in comparison to being, I think he's like one of, 
he's like one of the best football players ever, basically. Uh, NFL players ever. I think even now, today, like he still holds loads of records. Um, and he retired at the age of 29, which is super young, I think, anyway, to become a film star. And there was this thing of like, um, I'm not sure if it's alluded too much in the film, but where I was thinking like, there's this thing of, he has like a hesitance or thinking like, do I, should I quit football? Do I quit football? Or do I go into acting, which is something that he clearly seems to enjoy and really want to do? Or do I keep playing football because, you know, people adore me kind of thing? But then there's a thing of like, do they actually adore you or do they just adore what they, what you do for their team? And is it, is, is it better not to, is it better to just do something that you enjoy rather than do something that maybe you do enjoy, but, um, is giving joy to people who don't really appreciate you or even like you or people like you <laughs> or like people like you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I just felt, I felt like he could have gotten a bit more, a bit more to do, I think. Um, I agree. I know, yeah, I think that he, he was shortchanged a little bit. Um, and I like the actor as well. I've seen him in a few things. I think the actor's really good as well. Um, I'll just hodge, I think is his name. Yeah. Um, and then Cassius Clay's character, again, I feel like it's weird because obviously Muhammad Ali is such a large and life character. It's weird for him to be in a film where he's not one of the main guys. Like he is effectively a, 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 a supporting actor to Malcolm X and um, Sam, Sam Cooke. Cook. Yeah. Um, and although he's good in the scenes that he's got, um, I again feel like he maybe could have got a bit more as well but then you get to the point where like how long do you make this film and da 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 and you know I think the bits that they were both in they were great in I just you know maybe they could have shared a bit of the dialogue between the four of them a bit, a bit better but I could say the same thing about Mar Rainey so because Charlie Boseman gets the vast majority of the uh, lines in the film compared to everybody else so you know but then when again when you're the best actor well him and Viola kind of like Viola's a better, better actor than him but when you're the second best actor and the film is basically around, involved on your character, then I can't complain. And you deliver, so what can, I can't complain. So. I wonder if there will be some competition between those two films at the Oscars with regards to um, best, maybe best film, maybe best director. I would imagine that best screenplay. Yeah. Um, they'd both be up for adapted, wouldn't they? Because they're basically yeah. plays. Um I think Regina King 100% gets a nomination for Best Director, I think. Or Best Picture. Or whatever one you get a nomination as Director for. Whatever one that is. Um, And um, there'll be some acting noms between them. You know, we we discussed a couple of weeks ago, Chadwick will probably get Best Supporting Actor. Mm. Um, um, Viola Davis might get Best Actress, although... I don't know how they'll... I'm trying to think what a competition would be. Yeah. Who, who, it's, that's the thing. So, like, she's got a strong chance this year as any other year. Did she win Best Supporting in for Fences? I feel like she did. Yeah. Okay. So, I know she's got one already. But, yeah, I think she will get she will get a nomination. And I don't think there's much, again, like we said, there's not much for her to compete, or for any of them to compete with this year. That's... So... That's the thing which I think is a real shame because mm. certainly these two films, I think, among a normal Oscars year, would be in with a massive shout anyway. But I, I think some people will be like, whoever wins these awards, it's going to be like, oh, yeah, but you won it during that Ast- COVID year. Asterix, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, you won, but, you know, Meryl Streep wasn't in a film this year. So, yeah. 
Yeah. No, I mean, if Meryl Streep's in a film, she's winning. Oh, she's guaranteed to get a nominee. Doesn't matter what she's in, she could be playing, um, she could be playing Sebastian in Little Mermaid and she'd it's still true. get, still get a nomination. Her and but... those other two women who look exactly like her. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> excuse my, <laughs> excuse my, uh, racial insensitivity there, but you know. <laughs> I'm not quite sure who you mean though. It's the, um, uh, wait, who did you just say? Meryl Streep. Meryl There's Street. Meryl Streep. Judy Dench and Helen Mirren to me are all the same woman. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm so sorry. I know that's very sensitive. I, I get I get Helen Mirren and, and Meryl Streep, yes, but Jane Judy Dench is I'm I'm pretty sure quite a lot older than both of them. <laughs> but old white women, yeah, fair enough. Uh, I apologize to any old white women. Or anyone who's offended by that, I'm sorry, I don't I don't mean any offense, but I'm just trying to No, it's fine. <laughs> I think um, Julianne Moore could probably shove in that group mm. as well. Um, yeah. But like, I am... Um, so I think... Oh, will he be supporting? So I think I said the last time we talked about Ma Rainey uh, was that I think an Oscar nom will be between um, Chadwick Boseman and uh, my guy from The Five Bloods. I can't remember his name, sorry. Delroy Lindo from The Five Bloods. Um... And then I think to add to that, it will be, um, sorry, who played Malcolm X again? What's the character name? The actor name? King, uh, Kingsley Benadir. Yeah, him. And I reckon Leslie Odom Jr. Is that his name? Who played Sam Cooke? Yeah. Yeah, I reckon he might get one as well. Maybe. Maybe. It, so. it depends how they, who they put up for what noms, I think. Yeah. Because well, you, yeah, go on, sorry. sorry. I was going to say, because you could argue Ma Rainey is the main character in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm-hmm. Although... She doesn't have as much screen time as Chadwick Boseman's character, so you would suggest maybe that Chadwick Boseman would be up for best supporting. Mm. One Night in Miami arguably doesn't have a main character. Mm. They're all, I guess, equally important, although the lines aren't shared necessarily equally between them. So I think you can put, you could probably put both of them up for best actor, although then yeah. they'd be up against each other, or you Does- put one of. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> or you put one of them up for best actor and the other up for supporting, with, which makes that film more likely to um, win. But then if you're putting one of them up against Chadwick Boseman, you're that you know I imagine that Chadwick Boseman will win. Yeah. Um. So what I said. Um. So for one night in Miami. If they're putting both Leslie Odom Jr. and Kingsley Benadire up for Best Actor, they're competing with mm. each other. But if they put one of them up for Best Supporting, they'll be up against Chadwick Boseman, and Chadwick Boseman is likely to win. Yeah. So it's, it's a bit of a catch-22. So I was going to ask, like, um, can you put can you only put someone up for one? Can you not put them up for both? I don't think, no, an actor can't go up for two different awards for the same role. Okay. Um, but if, if you could put, an actor can be up for two different awards in different films. I think, um, I think Charlie's Theron or someone was up for two in two different categories last year. Mm. Um, or maybe it was Margot Robbie. I feel like, like, oh yeah. It might have been Margot Robbie. I was going to say Fon Fon I was going to say Frances McDormand. I feel like she was nominated for two in the same year, but I could be chatting shit. That's true. I think I am. 
Um, but yeah, I was just going to say, like, if you're either of these films, from when I saw that Wonder Woman had nominated itself for like 12, put itself for 12 Oscar Oscars, <laughs> I was like, everyone should just put themselves up for everything, because why not? <laughs> why not, in it? Yeah, exactly. Well, um, interestingly, like, Star Wars um, was nominated for 10 Oscars, the first Star Wars, Jesus. and won four of them, I think, but Jesus. it was it was pretty pioneering back in its day. Fair enough, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, working my way through them and we can do a ranking once. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. Although we've still got the rankings for Marvel. Oh, shit. And... I'm slacking on that, I really am. It's fine. <laughs> um, the thing is, I kind of wanted to time it so, like, I want to find out when Black Widow's coming out so we can, so I can do it, like, 23 days before Black Widow comes out and start from there. But they keep wishy-washy about when the fuck they're going to actually put the fucking thing out. So it's really annoying. So I might just put it up at any, time, any random time. Um, it's been pushed back but um the last film that we're going to talk about is from the archive one that chris suggested uh instant family it's on netflix although it was released in cinemas a couple of years ago Mm. it's a family comedy slash drama um starring mark Wahlberg and rose byrne as parents who adopt three young latin children um they basically yeah they at the beginning of the film, they're umming and about what they want kids, um, and then decide adoption is a viable option for yeah. them, uh, and end up, yeah, adopting three siblings. Um, that, that really is the plot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's not too much more to say about that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Based I, partly on a true story, apparently. Yeah, because you see those photos at the end, don't you? Um, yeah. I, I quite liked this film. There was parts of it I liked. Um, I think the whole film about like a blended family about you know adoption is not something that is shown that much. I mean, Modern Family has it with Lily being adopted by Mitch and Cam, but in terms of like a Hollywood film, I don't think adoption is is too much of a uh, a big plot point. And I think I think about Annie really the musical. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think there's a delicate balance as well, if you, especially for a family comedy, because you don't want to take the piss out of adoption, mm. because you want to present it as um, realistic and you know something that people should consider, rather than trying to put people off it. Um, yeah. there's a, this, this film, whilst it's it is a comedy, it does actually have to deal with quite a lot of quite dark or mature themes so with regards to the fostering part of it which comes before the adoption um you know there's references to children being abused or neglected or sexually abused yeah um which leads to them going into care um then the mother's a drug addict mm-hmm. uh, you know there's some complex kind of abandonment issues that some of these children display there's also the parents, you know, who are dealing with the the kind of shift from having no kids to now having three. Uh, one of whom's 15, one of whom's like 12, and the other's like six. And and then at one point they're like, oh, maybe we'll just give them back. Like, whoa. <laughs> so it tackles quite a lot. I don't think it's necessarily that successful at doing it. Mm. Um, it also tackles the whole white saviour 
um, thing, which is kind of mentioned and then quickly dismissed. Yeah. I think I liked this film and I like what it was trying to do. I just think they chose the wrong medium for it. I think if this was a sitcom or not even just sitcom, a, a TV show, then they could have explored a lot more because they touch on a lot of things that don't ever explore them deeper. You know, um, clearly there are issues between um, Juan. You know, Juan has nightmares and is like crying, and so there's, and there's the part where he's like, "Don't hit me." So there's there's something yeah. deeper there. Um, then you've also got like Lizzie's still got a connection to her mother, which is everything's just quite superficial and I'm like you could delve deeper into it and it would be a lot better. You've mm. also got like the other parents who have adopted kids or are fostering kids mm. like you know there's a couple of occasions they're in their group kind of sessions again why why have so many supporting characters if none of them get anything to do mm. um, so that's my my thoughts on it really I think it would have worked a lot better as a TV show whether it's a comic TV show or more of a drama I think it would have just allowed for these issues to be explored a lot more deeply Mm. I um, I feel similar to you probably not as strongly in terms of like I feel like they needed to go deeper Um, because obviously like you said the message behind it um, is an important one, so I think it's one that they shouldn't treat lightly. On the ba- on the basis of it, like just as a as a two hour film, I enjoyed it. Um, it's a f- like a feel good, you know, family comedy drama slash that kind of thing. Um, it ends with it, you get a happy ending for the people for the characters in the end, which I think is really good. Um, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, um, when when I see Mark Wahlberg films, I'm kind of like, mm, this could be really good, this could be really shit. <laughs> so um, yeah, I enjoy I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think he had good chemistry with um, with Rose Byrne, I think, um, and I think the child actors were good, which is rare because child actors very frequently are not good. Mm-hmm. Um, they were good. I could be completely wrong in this, but I feel like this film had a lot of improv. Um, that's what the feeling I got from a lot of it, especially during like some of the group sessions and stuff like that. I just feel like I was just kind of watching. I think like, like would this happen? Like would like are they? Is this like is this a, a line that was like written or people just like ad libbing stuff? So it felt to me like it was like ad, stuff that was ad lib, especially in those sessions and especially with like that random woman at the end who had the pie and all that. Yeah, and I thought that was like I, I just assumed that was ad libbed, and I thought, do you know what I thought? That because they said it was based on the true story, I thought maybe that woman was the the mum that the, the story was based upon or something like that. And I thought it'd be nice to give her like a part in the film. I just thought it was something dumb like that. But I was I looked up and that's not the case. I was like, this is just weird. <laughs> like that whole sequence I thought was so strange. And she offered the woman the woman pie, and she was like, yeah, going into a strange house to eat pie, and I was like, okay, whatever. Um, yeah, some a lot of the comedy was good. Uh, aspects of it I think was was good. Some of it. Uh, misses, um, but it's probably probably about fifty fifty in my opinion. But this isn't really uh, my my normal like comedy. What I would go to for a comedy. So the fact that half of it hits, I think, is a good thing for me. Um, yeah, 
And yeah, with the subject matter itself, I I do think that it's hard because you want to make a film, like you say, you want to make it a family a family film. At first and foremost, I think you want to make it a family film, and it's hard to make a family film that delves into substance abuse, sexual abuse, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, and then still make it like a wholesome thing, which they tried to do ultimately. Um, so if you was going to make this film, like, I don't know what the film's rated, I'm assuming it's PG. I, I completely... Oh, it's 12. Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe they could have gone a, a bit deeper into it then. I don't think so. I not think for, they. Not for 12. I, no, I think they touched on as much as they could, to be honest. Oh, okay. For me, it's sort of like, why are you mentioning it if you're. I don't know. I, I guess mentioning it is, is still important because, mm. you know, kids do go through these things. But mm. yeah, I, I, I understand. Yeah, if you go much deeper into it, um, it is unlikely to have kept at the rating it is. Yeah. Um, but I do agree that the bits they did touch on were superficial. But I don't know. Do you prefer that they touch on it and be superficial and acknowledge that these issues do exist, but not go into it? Or would you prefer they don't talk about those topics at all? It's kind no, of like... the former. I, th- I think yeah. It's, it's, yeah, because, you know, someone who's watching this and doesn't have much understanding of the social care system um i mean i mean this is in america but it also seems relatively similar to the uk that you know you might think that kids are only up for adoption because their parents can't cope or you know you might have a mis, mis- misguided opinion about why kids are in foster care mm. and you know if you understand that some of them are there because of substance abuse or neglect or sexual exploitation then you know it might awaken your kind of broaden your understanding i just think it was a bit problematic that the reason they sort of decide to go ahead of the fostering in the first place is basically because their family sort of like yeah despite, despite that yeah yeah despite their parents yeah that. they're sort of like oh i'm glad you've decided not to do it and like no we're gonna do it i'm like is that the really right motivation to do that well i guess that's mm-hmm. the, comedy element of it mm. um yeah it was uh it was it was, it was all right i mean i enjoyed it i enjoyed it, it. made lauren cry so oh that, well, that, what the whole thing or just one or one particular bit mostly towards the end you know okay. when 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 like lizzie and was sort of softening and mm. kind of, you know they became a believe. <laughs> yeah it was, it was it was cute i wonder what uh chris's thoughts on it are I think um, probably like it. Yeah. I think so this, is, this isn't. It's not a black mark against Chris's recommendation. Um, and as we've established before, uh, outside the wire was not my recommendation. <laughs> you made sure. You made sure. That, that <laughs> I got we it didn't in. Classify it as I yours. got it in. I was like, you know, not that it's a terrible film, but it's also <laughs> not going to balance out my uh, negative equity at the moment. Yeah, so it's, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> So we'll hear Chris's thoughts on that next week when we'll, or the week after, whenever we get to pod. Um, and we'll also talk about, we'll keep up to date with WandaVision. Um, I, I'm putting forward, I want to I want to talk about a film coming out, I think it's next week or this week, uh, called Malcolm and Marie. Yep. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for it. Uh, John David Washington and Zendaya are two, the two co-stars. And I kind of just want to watch it because I want to see if John David Washington can act, like act, mm. act. Because like my one my criticisms of him in the two films I've seen him in Black Klansman and 
uh, Tenet is that he's not a strong lead, I don't think. Um, yeah. He's not very charismatic, so I, I want to see if he can act, 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 and this looks like a film where you need to be acting, acting. So. True. I've not seen the trailer, but I've heard good things. It's I think it's by Sam Levinson who did um, Assassination Nation and okay. uh, Euphoria. So okay, cool. I'm expecting uh, good things then. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely gonna watch that. Um, we're also planning at some point to do kind of a retrospective on Studio Ghibli, which is the Japanese oh, yeah. animation studio, and uh, we're gonna try and do some deep dives into actors. Um, one of which could be Tom Hiddleston. Um, I would like to do a Denzel one at some point, but that requires a lot. To do a Denzel one. A lot of time spent watching long films. You guys but, need to um, watch John Q. Taking a pen and one two three. Oh, God. oh taking a pen and one two three. So good. Love that film. Um, but yeah, so there's lots of lots of things we've got bubbling away, even though there's not too much content coming out. Uh, so any listeners, you want to suggest an actor or actress? or director even for us to kind of do a deep dive into let us know yeah. we're on twitter at YSD Podcast 17 um let us know what you're thinking so far about one division um yeah i mean it's strange because by this time we've normally done like an oscars preview or there's been golden yeah. globes or something yeah. but there's none of that um shame really and i think that's the thing around this time is the time where like because obviously all those films are coming out like you get a chance they actually come out in cinema so you get a chance to see these uh, like not, I want to say random, but these smaller fil- independent films that you wouldn't normally watch. That you think, oh, is this worthy an Oscar? Like Parasite, for example, I probably mm. never would watch Parasite if it wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. So, but then we're not like obviously the cinemas are closed, so you know we wouldn't get to fucking see it anyway, unfortunately. Um, but it's a shame that you know I'm still I don't have a chance to watch any like I'm I haven't seen any hidden gems or anything like that like you would like you would normally get this time of time of year. No, true. And also, the Oscars normally coincides with our podcast anniversary, which will be four years. So, Holy man. again, that's a shame that, uh, yeah. So shout out to anyone who's been here since early. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, any, any other business? or? Um, no. Star Wars The Force Awakens is the best Star Wars film. Just trying to put that out there. Not really. Better than Rogue One. Uh, yes, but only just. Only just. Okay. Well, if, if I go, ever... Yeah, go on, sorry. If I ever finish my Star Wars rewatch... <laughs> Where are you at the minute? Sorry, I completely forgot. I finished A New Hope, so I need to start Empire oh, Okay, so you've no, you've got... So you've got... Oh, you watch it, you're watching it 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got three good films, I would say, to to get through. Or you, yeah, you like the originals, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From what, I've only ever seen them once, but this is my oh, okay. second time. But um, yeah, and uh, I need to watch Rogue One. I don't know if I'm going to rewatch Solo. Do it. Do you know what is with Solo? Yeah. Right? Okay. So it's going for complete tangent, but fuck it, we might as well. Um, with Solo, right? I was just because I watched it how, a couple months ago, and I was watching, thinking like, this would be such a good film or much better film if it wasn't about Han Solo and we didn't know that he's going to survive at the end. Like, if this is about a random character and, like, um, who we wasn't connected to the main Star Wars universe as far as we know it, I think you would have got so much more out of that film. And even if you put it, like, there are scenes in Solo, like, there are a couple of like, war, warish scenes, and you're like, this look actually looks sick. If they made it more about this, like, a war 
war kind of the actual war aspects of Star Wars, I think you could have got a such better film. But instead, we got what we got, and which is very, <laughs> bl- very, which is very bland. But it's th- even still, there are some very cool scenes in in uh, Solo. But it's not a good film. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I will rewatch it. All right, I've got no, about watching. It's worth watching, I would say. But it's just not. Um, it's not. It's not. I'm trying to think of a, of a way to of a way to say it. It's it's better <laughs> than. Attack of the Clones, which is why you should watch it. <laughs> oh, okay, oh, I've got seven to watch then, so this 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 revisit will will be quite far in advance. But there's a little sneak preview for you. But um, yeah, follow us on the socials. Uh, we're on uh, your average critics, other than Twitter. Um, we're on all your podcast channels. So yeah, tune in, write us questions, leave us reviews, five stars only, and yeah, tune in next time. Leave us sexy. Cheers. <laughs>